We are doing, as you know, a Lenten homily series and doing something a little different this year. We're, we're talking about encounter and evangelization. That the whole life of a Christian is a cycle of encounters with Christ and from those encounters going out and evangelizing others because, because we need to totally recapture what these two words, encounter and evangelization, used to mean for us as Catholic Christians for centuries upon centuries. But in a matter of a couple decades, we have completely lost their meaning and therefore their purpose and their place in our lives. Evangelization. I want you all to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. When Catholics in general, maybe not you, but Catholics in general, think of the word evangelization or think of an evangelist or evangelizing others, what are some of the first thoughts, feelings, or images that come to mind? Take a moment. You can open your eyes. Here's some of what I've been hearing from some of our Catholics. Street preachers. I don't want to approach strangers about my faith. Televangelist. Religion is for me a private thing. Or I'm uncomfortable talking about my faith, even to my family and friends. Besides, they're good people. I get nervous. I get shy. I don't know my faith well enough to tell others so I can't help you out. Don't want to make other people feel awkward. Okay. None of this is evangelization. Let me give you an example of evangelization through a story. A group of missionaries from around Africa were meeting at a conference. They spent the week listening to speakers going through breakout sessions, learning best practices, praying and getting closer to Christ and each other, generally just being renewed in their faith. At the end of the week, the group decides to go out and celebrate all that they had learned, shared, and gained together. They decided to go into the city for dinner. One person, a man, intensely objected. He said that they should take the money that they would spend on dinner and drinks and bring it back to their mission lands and give it to people in need. The group overruled him. They rented a bus and went into the city together. The man accompanied them but remained on the bus the entire evening. From his window on the bus, he saw them spend the evening enjoying a good meal and some drinks, talking and laughing, celebrating life, their friendship, and community. As he sat there, he grew angrier and angrier. The next day, their last day, they did a roundtable discussion on the impact of the week. Everyone shared freely and excitedly. When it was the man's chance to share, everyone held their breath and braced themselves. But rather than the missionary attack them, he apologized for his behavior and told them that he took everything that had happened the evening before into prayer. In prayer, God gave him this insight. Joy. He said to them, I saw that you had joy. 
And particularly, you have a joy that comes from your relationship with God and in your relationship with one another. And I realized as a Christian and as a missionary, I did not have that joy. And then I realized, how can I ever expect to go back to the people of God is sending me to serve in the missions and convince them about the goodness and beauty of a relationship with God and being a part of a community of believers if I don't have joy. And so he thanked them for reminding him that right alongside of encountering Christ and having and developing a relationship with Christ, that an essential part of evangelization is joy. This is evangelization. It's a process. Here's the steps. There are four. One, encounters with Christ. Two, over time, developing and then nurturing a relationship with Christ. Three, then being a part of a community of believers and supporting one another and growing in that relationship with Christ and one another. And four, also that we can be sent out by God through the encounter with faith and from a community in order to draw other people to Christ by inviting them to come and see. Experience what we're experiencing. All this is to be done with joy. We will find joy in encountering Christ. We will grow joy as we draw closer to Him. And we will increase in joy as we engage in a community with others who share our faith, our values, and our hopes. And from this place of joy, we will want, we will want to share our joy with other people. Most especially with family and friends, but also acquaintances and yes, even strangers. And in particular, people in need. And when we approach them in this way, then they will want what we have. The joy and the reason for our joy. We need to look no further for a model of evangelization than from the story of Moses that we just heard from in our first reading from the book of Exodus chapter 3. So let's just jump right in and take it part by part. What is Moses doing? He's wandering along a mountainside. And recall that during last week's readings in homily, mountains in the Old Testament and the New Testament are places of encounters with God. They signal that. So Moses is living his life in such a way that he is walking and being opened, has opened himself to an encounter with the living God. He is not in some school learning from teachers and then being sent out by God. And he doesn't have a theology degree from a rabbi college and then sent out by God. He's tending sheep. He's living his everyday life, but doing it in a way that he's also looking for God in it. He's walking along a mountain. So when he happens upon an event that manifests something of God, the burning bush, he notices God in it rather than not notice God in it. Walk away from it or run away from God. 
He approaches God then. He wants to get closer to God. He has an encounter with God. Then God reveals something of himself to Moses. He says to Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Meaning, he's the God of his people Israel, of the ancestors of the Jews, of Moses' ancestors. The God of Moses' religious beliefs. The spiritual beliefs and practices that have been handed on from generation to generation to generation. From this encounter, then God wants to send Moses. To do what? To set his people free. Free from enslavement to this world and free to enter into the promised land where they can live a life fully and abundantly. But Moses is unsure, just like many times we are. Perhaps a bit fearful and feeling like he may not be the right guy for the job. God reminds him, though, of his name, of God's name, Yahweh, which means I am who am. I am the ground of all being. All things come into being through me. If I am sends you, you will be able to do what I ask you to do. And so Moses trusts God. And Moses allows himself to be sent. And well, you know the rest of the story. One man brings an entire nation back to God. One man. You see, this isn't just supposed to be Moses' life from the scriptures. This is supposed to be our lives today as Catholic Christians. Evangelization is first about living our lives walking on mountains. That is, living our lives in such a way that we are opening ourselves up to encounters with God so that we're able to see Him when He comes to us. Then, when, not if, but when we have encounters with God, we approach Him rather than not notice Him or even run away from Him. God identifies Himself. He is the God of our ancestors. That is, we will discover Him in the midst of a community of believers. Remember from last week, everything that has come before us our beliefs, our traditions, sacraments, prayers, scriptures, all will be used, if we allow, all will be used by God to reveal himself to us. A true encounter with Christ involves us realizing that God is Yahweh. I am who am. That God is and should be the center of my world. The most important event in your life the most important person in our lives, the one that we value the most, the one is, who is our highest priority as we look at each and every one of our days and all of our responsibilities and expectations. He's the first. And recognizing God then as the center of our lives, we position ourselves to be sent by him to other people. He will call us to go and be set people free. Our spouses and our parents, our brothers and our sisters, our children, our friends, our classmates, 
acquaintances, and yes, even strangers. Even strangers. To set people free from enslavement to the ways of this world and to freedom in the promise of Jesus Christ. Now, like Moses, we may feel unworthy, not well-equipped, frightened or shy. We may want and think that we should keep our faith to ourselves. We don't want to disturb others. But Moses' life and every other person in the Bible on mission, they did not keep their faith private, but in fact, they made their, their faith personal. And making it personal, then they made it communal in relationship with others. They pushed through their fears. They trusted in the one who was calling them to be sent. And they went and changed the lives of so many other people. And so did countless other Catholics over the centuries upon centuries until the latter half of this century to this present day when it all broke down, living in a secular culture and hearing from that culture over and over again, faith is a private thing. It is not. It's a personal thing but it was never meant to be private. Practically speaking, how can we become evangelists that God calls each of us to be? It is built into the Christian life. This is what a Christian lives like, evangelizing others. Well, the new culture and the new mission that we set up here at our parish over the last several months all supports this movement from encounter to evangelization. So here are those stages here, stages of evangelization here at St. Francis, modeled after Exodus 3. Walking on mountains. There are many opportunities for us to walk on mountains. That is, right here to have encounters with Christ and allow ourselves to be re-evangelized. You see, the problem for us over the last couple centuries as Catholics, no, last couple decades as Catholics is this. We've been catechized, but we've not been evangelized. We've been taught the faith, but we've not caught the faith. Right? And so many of us need to be all, across all of our lives need to be re-evangelized or evangelized for the first time. So prayer ministries, Eucharistic adoration, praying the rosary, novenas, divine mercy chaplet, during Lent, the stations of the cross, and countless other opportunities to walk on mountains. Number two, developing and nurturing a relationship with God. This can come about through many ways. Through Alpha, through walking with purpose, for women, Catholic watchmen and signposts for men, uh, Lexio Divina Bible study, Seeds of Faith Bible study, young adult ministry, high school youth ministry, middle school youth ministry, Fruit of the Vine prayer group, and more to come this summer and even more that we're working on planning for the fall. Do you think that we're putting all this stuff together for you though? This is not just for you. This is for them out there. But how are they ever going to get it if you don't get it? And how are they ever going to get it unless you don't give it? 
And this is where being a part of a community of believers, number three, comes in. Remembering who we are and where we have come from as Christians and what is our mission. Like, for instance, just coming to Mass every Sunday on a weekend. Or maybe even more during the weekdays during Lent. Celebrating the sacraments, such as the sacrament of reconciliation. Strengthening the sacraments of our marriages. Immersing ourselves in discipleship groups and friendships with other believers who share our values and our priorities. Do you know what friendship is? Friendship is a bridge. It's a bridge over which I walk my, Christ walks his life from my life into the life of another person. That's what the purpose of friendship is. It has all kinds of other purposes, worldly, but otherworldly, for the kingdom of God, God gives us friendships so that he can communicate himself from one person to the next person. Are those what our friendships look like? And then number four, also that we're sent by God to set other people free. Like creating a culture of welcoming here at St. Francis, of generous hospitality at Mass. Like every one of us is greeters and ushers at Mass. Not just the three or four who are designated in the back of the church. We should be greeting people at the door. Before Mass begins, as we're asked to stand and turn to people around us, engage them in conversation, and then ask them that there's something that we can pray for for them. You know, just in this last month, in February, we had eight new families join our parish. And I got to meet with some of them one-on-one. -on -one, and a couple of them said to me that how they came to make the decision here is this. They came to a Mass, their first Mass ever, and at the beginning of the Mass, people stood up, and they welcomed them, and then they asked if there was something that they could pray for for them. And they said, I'll pray for you for this, all for the Mass. And at the end of the Mass, they turned to him and said, I've, been, I've prayed for that. And they named the intention for you at the Mass. And then the, na the next uh, week, they came back, and then that person, either sitting around them, who is the person the following week, or comes to them physically at the Mass and says to them at the beginning of the Mass, I've been praying for you, and then name the intention. And that was enough for them. That somebody cared enough to greet them and to pray for them. And not just at the Mass, but throughout the week. We, st we could stay after Mass, too and get to know one another and engage others in conversation rather than skedaddling and getting out of here as fast as we can and sitting in the parking lot and stewing over the fact that I can't get out here fast enough. And then making things come out of our mouths that never should come out of our mouths. <laughs> oh, here's something that we could start doing, right? Say to others after Mass, hey, do you want to go to lunch with me and my family after Mass is done? Is Mass just about me coming and getting what I want and then me leaving? Or is it about something more than that? As we live our lives from day to day, we should always be inviting, inviting and inviting. And if people turn us down, are we going to get hurt feelings? Is it about me? Or are we just going to keep inviting and inviting others? And maybe not even inviting them to Mass just yet, 
because they're not ready. We're inviting them back to Mass because they've got years of baggage related to that. Maybe it's about being ready to accompany them to a soup supper, inviting them during Lent to something like the Stations of the Cross or a speaker or a prayer experience or maybe a Bible study or dinner at your home. Friendships. Friendships are the bridge over which God walks his life from your life into the life of another person. Seeing people as a mission rather than someone who might fulfill my needs or my wants. Heaven's view of friendship is a friend loves a person so much that they love their soul first and the soul of the other person first. That's heaven's definition of friendship. A few things to keep in mind as we all grow in our work of evangelizing others in Christ. God's in control. He's the one who's in charge here. And so that takes all the pressure off of us as we go out and engage other people. Because he'll send his spirit, and his spirit will work with us. We're just his ambassadors. We're his representatives. We're the seed planters. And we get the privilege of playing a small part and welcoming people deeper into the kingdom of God and setting them on or back on a course that leads to heaven. Number two, be yourself. Don't judge other people where you think they need to be. God didn't do that to you or to me. Just be yourself. Number three, show that you care about that other person rather than just showing them that you care only to impart a bunch of knowledge upon them. And number four, say a little prayer before you invite. Come, Holy Spirit, what you have given to me across my life, let me share with this other person. And finally, joy. Have joy. Find it every day in your relationship with Christ. Grow it, nurture it, and then share it freely with others. Spiritual multiplication. I think this can be summed up in that phrase, spiritual multiplication. Me plus three is a better way of saying it. Me plus three. And rather than describe it, I want to demonstrate it. So I just need one, one volunteer. One volunteer. One volunteer. Come on up. Come on up, Mark. Thanks. Okay, Mark. So... You're everybody else, okay? You're each of these persons. You're a parishioner here at St. Francis, okay? And um, you're working on your faith relationship with God. You're developing it. You're nurturing it. And this God's just going to put into you naturally more and more of his joy and more and more of his motivation to want to go out and bring others to him, okay? So go get three. Go get three and bring them up here. And it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody you know. That's the whole point, okay? Maybe a stranger or only an acquaintance. And all the way to the back, yes. Okay, the three of you come on up. Four of you, four of you come up. Okay, so me, one, 
you have just become four, okay? And what you're going to do then over this time, this is how it works. You just simply go out and get three people. Now, this could be over several months. It could take a year. It could take two. It could take three. But they're worth it. Christ has shown us that they're worth it from the cross, right? And then what do you do? You develop friendships with them. You don't impart a bunch of dogma and doctrine that most of us don't even know or have or know fully or completely. You just share friendship with them. You invest in them. And then over the course of, you know, a couple months or longer, a year or more, right, then God will present for his Holy Spirit opportunities for you guys to have conversations with one another about your faith, Mark, about your joy and your reason for joy and where you're getting it. Hey, I went to Alpha. You should come to Alpha with me. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then the Lord opens the, the door for you to invite them here where then all this is set up that I just talked about, not just for you, but for you to pass on to them as you accompany them. It's for them and us. And then... The four go out and get three apiece. Go ahead. Each of you go get three. Doesn't have to be all the way in the back. Just grab three. You don't have to know them. And everybody come on up. So now we have 16, right? 16 people. And during this time, each of these people, however long it takes, it could be a short period of time or a longer period of time, everybody's in a different place, right? Then you're investing in these people. You're praying for these people. You're developing friendship. You're showing them that you care and that they matter. You're building bridges over which Christ walks his life into their life. And then they ask. Then they have questions. Then they want what you have. And then you invite. And then they come. And then they're a part of a community that's on fire and has all kinds of opportunities to walk on mountains. And then they have the encounter in Christ. And then the 16, the 16 go out and get three more apiece. Go ahead. And so then the 16 become 64. The 16 become 64. These are not our prisoners. These are people outside of our church who for whatever reason are not a part of a community of believers. And now they're here. And you guys have invested in them. You've been praying for them. You've developed friendship with them. You've been inviting them. And then they've been responding at some point. They may turn you down ten different times, but eventually they say yes. Or another person comes along and, and, and the Lord puts them in your life. And you invite that person. And then, now this is just the third wave, right? If 
these 64 went out, then it would go to 380. And I don't even think there's 380 in this church. Right? If that went out one more wave, so, so the fifth wave, those 380 would bring in over 1,000 people, 1,024 people. And that is almost as much as the members of our parish that come here on a weekly basis to Mass. About 1,200 people come to Mass among our four Masses. And in a matter of a couple years, through spiritual multiplication, me plus three, this parish has doubled in population. And not doubled for the sake of doubling, it has multiplied souls on fire with Christ and put them on a path to heaven or back to heaven, which is the whole mission of this church. Now, if we took it out from five rings to just two more rings, then we would be at 16,384 people, and that is almost one-third the size of this city. In a matter of a couple of years, we can completely transform the city of Newark. Isn't that what the Christian church is supposed to do? Isn't that the reason why we live in the city of man is to bring the city of man to the city of God? Moses was able to lead an entire nation to the promised land. One man did this in our parish. One man. Our parish is growing, yes, and praise be to God, but it will not continue to grow unless we all become what we were meant to become, evangelists. Which first starts with each of us deciding to walk along the mountainside of our faith and have encounters with Christ. And then growing and growing with a community of believers and a community of faith. And then sharing our relationship with Christ in fearless and freely and joyful ways. If we all do this, man, imagine how much this parish will grow and the transforming effect this parish will have on every person and this parish will have upon our local community. We ain't seen nothing yet. Thank you, guys. Let us stand with our fellow prisoners and let us profess what it is that we